things are, you know, we'll do things a little bit different and uh, might be uncomfortable for some for a short amount of time, but I'm hoping that over time you see the value um, and what we're going to do today. I'm actually going to invite my wife, Amber, up this morning. And so, like I said, we're going to do something that's a little bit different this morning. Um, I, I know you guys know this because I've said it already. We've only been here a couple months. And you've talked, to, or I've talked several times about the value of our testimony. And I think that is huge, church. I think that's a very big deal. And when God does something in our lives, um, I don't know why, but so many times we'll rush to share a prayer request, right? And then God does something, and we're like, hey, thanks, big guy. And then you're off doing your own thing, right? And you forget to share with the people who are praying with you and for you what God has done. And not to mention, I feel like it, it strengthens people's faith, and, and it kind of humanizes us, right? In the world that we live in today of Instagram and Facebook and all this kind of stuff, we're putting filters on our phones and taking the best picture and all that kind of stuff. You don't ever see people posting what's truly happening, right, where it's like the kids are screaming, your hair's a wreck, and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's not what we're posting. We post that our lives are perfect, Right? And so what that has done is that has separated us. And now we struggle to be real with each other because we're like, I saw Joey's post, man. He has got it together. I can't share this with him. You know, whatever. And yet, and yet, we're all in this same thing together called life, right? We're all going through something. Um, we all, it, it, maybe not right now, but a lot of us have, are, are in the middle of storms, middle of things that, that we need uh, prayer for or, or uh, prayer support, I guess you would say. But anyway, um, I want to do a series coming up soon. I, I don't know when exactly, um, but I think we're going to call it something along the lines of my story. And I want to do maybe several weeks in a row where we interview people and they get to share their story, what God has done in their lives. And so we're not kicking off the series today. This is something that will happen in the future. Um, but I want to give you guys an idea of what that's going to look like, and you'll get an idea based off of what happens here today with Amber. Um, but again, the, the strength and the power of our testimony is, is something huge. And I, I really want to encourage you guys, wherever you're at and whatever you do in the workplace, in the grocery store, in the gas station, friends, family, share your story. Share your testimony. So um, the, the title of our talk today is Facing Anxiety. Facing anxiety. And like I said before, I understand that there are going to be some uncomfortable people in this room today. I understand that. Because mental health, anxiety, fear, uh, depression, these are things that even though we might say we're okay with, when it hits our family, all of a sudden it's a different story, right? Right? I came to a place a few years ago where mentally I was just tapped out. And I don't know why, but it was almost like I felt defeated. And I was like, I think I need to see a counselor. And then when I said it, there was like a little bit of like shame that came with that. And I thought, if someone else told me that they were going to see a counselor, I'd say, that's amazing. That's awesome. Good for you. And yet when I go to say it, there's a sense of shame. And what that did is that put a spotlight on my heart, on what my true feelings are, right? So as we begin to talk about this this morning, 
um, I'm going to ask you to just pray a simple prayer. God, what does this mean to me? What can I do with this? I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to each and every person that's in this place and who are watching online. And maybe this isn't something that you're dealing with right now. Maybe it's not in your family. Maybe you know someone who's going through it, whatever. But it is something that, that has become taboo. And, um, and I just, I want to talk about it today. And I want to just pull back the curtain a little bit and just talk about real life and, and what that kind of looks like for us. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you on a bit of a journey. And I'm going to ask Amber questions about her childhood all the way up until us sitting right here today. And uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that each and every one of you in this place, when you leave, you just say, man, that was so beneficial. And I'm so glad that we got to hear Amber's testimony. And now God used this in my life. So without further ado, for those that don't know, this is my beautiful wife, Amber. She is the better looking, smarter, nicer, kinder one, okay? Any single guys in here, a little bit of advice, marry up. Marry up, all right? Way out of your league, that's what I did, okay? I want to encourage you to do the same. For those that know Amber, you know it's true. Um, but what I want to do is, Amber, can you do me a favor? And can you just give everybody in here just an idea of what you personally were like as a kid growing up? Um, well, we grew up in church, and I was um, very active in my home church. I was very active in sports. Um, I was very confident. I had a, um, I don't know, there was like this family joke. I, I mean, confident, borderlining, arrogant, probably more arrogant than confident. And, you know, the family joke was like, if my head got any bigger, I wouldn't be able to get through the front door type thing. <laughs> Um, so, you know, as a kid, I was just happy-go-lucky, the, the more the merrier type thing where, like, I mean, um, as far as, like, parties or whatever, the more people, the better it was for me. I just loved being around people. I'm, I was very social, um, and that's pretty much what I was like. So, I met Amber when she was 13 years old. And she was a very, very confident individual. And like she said, and her whole family is like this, the more people, the better. As many people as they can pack into their home. Like, it's like a party all the time. I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm like, I need my space, you know. And so it was just funny as our friendship started and as we began to date, we were just polar opposites in a lot of those ways. But I just remember thinking when I first met Amber, like, my word, she is so confident. Like, she does not struggle in her confidence about anything at all. Um, so I want to talk about anxiety a little bit. And when that first seem to pop up in your life? When was the first time that you thought, I'm going through something that is not normal? Um, so I, I think we were like three or four years into our marriage, and we had decided, it was really kind of funny. So we, when we first got married, we were like, we're waiting for kids for five years. Like, that's the plan. We're going to wait five years. We're just going to enjoy being married together, figure out this ministry thing, and then um, I kind of like a checklist in my life, and suddenly babies jumped the checklist. And I was like, all right, I'm ready, and it had only been a year. And Ben's like, wait a second, <laughs> what happened to five, <laughs> you know? Um, and so we started trying to have a baby, and we were running into some struggles. 
and we had gone to um, a, a fertility clinic, and um, they gave us really good odds of medication working. And so they put me on this medication cocktail um, with like artificial hormones and all sorts of things. And um, we did that for several months, I think six months. And it, we didn't conceive. So the, and the whole time the doctor we were talking to was kind of like just, I don't know, he just really didn't listen. He was kind of cold. And when you're going through something like that, that's the worst type of bedside manner you can find, you know. Um, and one day we went in and we weren't expecting this at all. And he just finally was like, you're going to have to do IVF and that's it. You either do IVF or I'm not going to help you anymore. And I mean, I, I don't know if you all know how expensive IVF is, but it's not just something that you can, it's not pocket change, you know? It's not something you can pull out of the cushions in your couch. It's a lot of money. They wanted us to commit to three rounds of in vitro at, they said it'd be 10 to 14 grand per try. Yeah. And so three, three straight months of 10 to 14 grand per try was where we were at. That was what they were offering us. Yeah. And so Ben and I sat there and we just were like, well, that's not a possibility right now. We can't afford that. Um, so I guess we're, we're not going to be, you're not going to be able to treat us anymore. And um, so what happened then was I was, like I said, I'd been on this cocktail of artificial hormones for all of these months and he just cut me cold turkey. And um, it didn't really take effect. Like I, f I didn't really feel any different. Um, but then, oh, I think it was like a week later, two weeks later maybe. Um, my, so I was like an alternate on our church softball team because I'm super competitive and I kept yelling at people. Because I just kept, I was in the, they, I was like, you got to put me in the outfield because I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. You, we're losing. I don't like to lose. They need to put their gloves in the dirt. You know, I'm just, I'm just getting frustrated. And so Ben was like, maybe you should be an alternate, like just a sub. I said, that's a good idea. I would prefer you not to get fired because I was being rude on a softball field. Um, so uh, one week they needed me to come play. And I was kind of like, I really don't want to. I'd rather go to my mom's house and swim in the pool. I, so I was like, ah, just ask somebody else. I don't really want to. And Penn's like, you made a commitment to be the sub. And so you need to do it. He's all about, like, commitment and you need to do it. And I'm oh, kind of like. Wait a minute. Time out. Wait, 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 wait. They needed me to step in and coach that night. Yeah. So I was going to show up without my wife. How does that look? All right, so I was like... I feel like it's a perfectly fine explanation to say, look, she wanted to swim instead. Pastor Bob, we're going to need some counseling in a little bit, if you could just sign us up. Um, yeah, so that was... I, I did... She says guilt she her. Made me. I say he encouraged. made me. He made me play. Anyway, so we're playing, and it's a close game, and I crush a ball. I mean... Over, I just burnt the left fielder. It's just rolling and rolling. And I'm like, this is a home run. See how humble she is? Yeah. I crushed it. 
And then, so I'm running, and I'm a little bit older at this point. I think I'm like 26, 27, mid-20s. I don't know. I was not as in good a shape as I thought I was. And so I'm running, and I'm like starting to, I'm rounding third, and I'm like running out of steam. And I, I can see as I'm rounding third that it's going to be a close play at the plate. And I'm like, do I slide? Do I not? I think I need to slide. No, I don't think so. And then I was like, nope, I got to slide. So I slid late. And when I slid late, I went into the batter's box and I caught the plate and I totally just destroyed my leg. Um, they, like, my foot was literally hanging upside down. Um, the umpire started throwing up. It, it was a rough day for him. It was, and, and Ben, you know, I, I speak in hyperbole to be funny most of the time. So when I was like, oh my gosh, I broke my leg. He's walking over slow and like, she probably twisted it. She's fine. And then he saw my foot and he's like, oh, she's not fine. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was like this whole thing. Anyway, that was a very long explanation of how I broke my leg. I'm sorry. But I had, I had to have surgery. And um, so I woke up from surgery for my ankle, and I felt different. Um, I woke up, and all of a sudden, I just couldn't really breathe all that well. Um, and my body felt like, I don't know if it was like a reaction. I don't know what happened. But my body felt like when your foot falls asleep, because you've been sitting on it too long, head to toe. That's how I felt. And I was convinced I was dying. I thought something, I had, I'm having an allergic reaction. I can't breathe. I'm tingly. And I started to get really panicky. Um, but I'd never experienced that before. Like, I'd never experienced that kind of fear, that, like, consuming fear before. So I, I just thought I'd do what I always did and tough it out. I'm going to be fine. This is going to pass. I'm just going to walk it off. And um, so Ben and I decided, my family went on a camping trip every summer to Lake Michigan. And my surgery was the day that the camping trip started. And it was outpatient, and I was like, I'm either going to be laying on a couch watching TV or laying on a beach watching the water, and I'd rather lay on the beach. So um, we decided to, to go, and we drove three hours to the campsite, and... Um, I was okay, but then the evening hit, and I was in the camper, and I just felt the walls closing in on me, and um, I just couldn't breathe, and I'm not, I'm kind of, like, I've always been pretty tough. Uh, I've not been somebody who struggles to push through things, and I'm pretty resilient, um, but it was so bad that I told my stepdad, I got to go home. I can't stay here. Um, and so my stepdad and Ben and my uncle drove me three hours home in the middle of the night. And I laid on a couch, and I just was like, I don't know, do I call an ambulance? I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this feeling. And um, that night, the next morning, actually, my um, family was at the beach, and I'm, I'm in Flint, they're in like Grand Haven area, and um, my family was <clears throat> on Lake Michigan at the beach, and uh, my grandpa and his best friend were out in the waves swimming, 
and got caught up in the undertow, and they, and they both drowned that day. And in front of our whole family, um, and that my mom called and um, told Ben. And I'm in the middle of, I don't, I'm like, not myself. I'm not feeling myself. I don't know what's going on. I can't even identify what I'm feeling. And Ben comes in and says that my grandpa has drowned. And I remember so clearly just this one thought. And I was like, God really does not protect us. He really doesn't. And it, at that time, I couldn't, I, I couldn't call, call it out for the lie that it was. In that moment, my heart grabbed onto that lie and said that this is the truth and I'm going to have to take care of myself from now on. And because um, I had never had problems with trusting God before. Um, the, I mean, we had had sad things happen in our family and I could just, I could see God's hand moving in all of those sad things. But in this season, I could not see him. I could not feel him. I could not hear him. And the, the verse that he says, he'll never leave you or forsake you, I just, for myself in that moment, I couldn't, I didn't believe it for myself. Um, I couldn't see how he would do this to our family. And from that moment on, <clears throat> for, I would say, I don't know, a year probably, I struggled with crippling panic attacks and anxiety. Um, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not a dramatic person in, in the way that I'm like, if I have a cold, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work through it. But I could not work through this. Um, it just flattened me. It flattened me. So <clears throat> she mentioned it briefly, but my mother-in-law calls and says, Grandpa Art had drowned. And most people are very close with their grandfathers. Amber was especially close with her grandfather. Uh, he was a father figure for you for years. And um, so my mother-in-law calls me so I can relay this to Amber because she knows Amber's not going to do well with it. So Amber was in like a recliner watching Food Network, and I get on my knees right next to her, and I say, sweetheart, I have some very sad news I have to tell you. And she never even looked at me. She just continued to watch TV. And I said, I don't know a better way to say this. Grandpa Art just drowned. And she went like this. I can't deal with this right now. And went right back to watching Food Network. And I just went, like, I don't know what to do right now. You know, and I'm telling my mother-in-law, like, I'm, I'm telling her I don't know if she's actually hearing me. Like, I expected so many tears and sobbing and all that kind of stuff. And, and she just, I can't deal with this right now. So just a quick recap. Within two weeks, cut cold turkey from some pretty strong medication, breaks her ankle, has some kind of weird reaction to, you actually had two surgeries. They did one the night you broke it, and then another one where they put in plates and screws and all that stuff. And that was the one that we left to go to the campground. Uh, we left that day, and then her grandpa dies. And then all of a sudden, I'm married to someone I do not know. I'm married to someone I do not know. Amber was happy-go-lucky. Nothing got her down. We'll get through it. 
you know, like, dramatic for funny sake, you know, like, that was kind of like her thing, but like, I, I don't know this woman that I'm married to right now. And um, I just want to take a second and as a spouse, just talk about this a little bit because if there are some in this room that struggle or, or whatever, I want to give you a, a spouse's perspective. And I want to share with you some things that I've messed up. Um, I feel like I'm pretty quick to admit when I'm wrong because I want, if I can help somebody else out, please don't make the same mistake I made. So we're going through this situation, and, and again, all of a sudden, my wife is not dealing with things, and, and she's different. And, but then it, it just kept going. It kept going. And I need to take you back to how I was in high school, okay? When I used to hear about, like, I mean, think back to 25 years ago. We didn't hear about mental health like we do now. We didn't hear about depression and anxiety like we do now. It was pretty much non-existent that I knew of. But then it started, like, kind of cropping up out of nowhere. And I would literally call it that Dr. Phil garbage. That's where I was. I thought, everybody that's struggling with this doesn't have Jesus and doesn't have a friend. If you got a real friend, you could just talk to that friend and you can get past this. So in my mind, this anxiety is kind of like, yeah, right. Like, they're wanting to push pills. People are wanting, like, instead of truly going after what's going on, just give me a pill and I'll deal with it. That's how I felt. And I'm just being brutally honest. So now that I'm married to Amber, and now we're going through this, for a while I was understanding. And then I came to the place where I just felt like, you just got to get over this. I can't do anything for you. I've prayed for you. We've had other people pray for you. She would have some of these wild thoughts, wild thoughts. She'd, she'd have, you know, like something happens in your body, like a flutter or something on the inside, and you're like, oh, that was weird. What was that? Amber would have herself convinced it's a tumor or something like that. She was convinced she was going blind. She was convinced she was having a heart attack. There was all these things where I'm going, sweetheart, this does not make any sense. This doesn't make sense. And she would start Googling things, and that is the worst place. WebMD, oh my gosh. It was not my friend. It was, yeah. And so she'd say, I, I figured it out. I have blah, blah, blah. And I'd go, oh, sweetheart, no, you don't. No, you don't. And so she would be convinced that she'd have to see a specialist. She's seen brain specialist. She's seen heart specialist, eye specialist, because she's convinced I have these things going wrong. And she would go to the doctors, and there were actually some doctors that when Amber would bring up what she thought she had, they would laugh. Because they're like, sweetheart, if you've been dealing with this for a year, you'd be dead by now if that's what it was, or something like that. And she'd go, really? So I don't have this, or I don't have that? Nope, nope, you're fine. So for a day, for 24 hours, 48 hours, she's like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then here we go again. She'd go right back into this place. And as a husband, I'm going... <laughs> What do I do? What do I do? God, you got to intervene. You got to do something. I don't know what to do. I feel like my wife has these crazy thoughts, these wild thoughts that I can't make heads or tails of. You know, I got a cough. It must be cancer. And I'm going, 
If you search cough on WebMD, there's a billion things it could be. But that's kind of how her mind was working. And now she's grabbing all these scary things. And it must be this and it must be that. And it was this constant, she's waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of deal. That was the feeling. And I'm going, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. You've got to pull yourself together. You've got to get over this. If she was a dude, I would have said, man up and get over it. That's honestly, that's where I was at. Because I, I didn't know. I didn't know what else to do. So that was the start of this anxiety, I don't know, journey that, that you've been on. Um, I want to ask you now, what has anxiety done to your relationship with God? Like maybe lies that you've believed. I mean, you already mentioned one you know, uh, what you thought earlier about he's not going to leave me, he's not going to forsake me. What has it done with your relationship in God, with God, both good and bad? <clears throat> I think at the beginning, you know, he's so faithful. Um, in the beginning, I just, it became a, I think fear and anxiety boil down to trust issues and faith issues somewhat. Um, as far as, well, for me it did. Um, because I really believed he had left me. And I've, I really just, I don't know why, because for my whole life I grew up and I believed the exact opposite. And then that horrible season happened and I was like, wait, have what I, has what I've been believing my whole life, my whole childhood, my whole young adulthood, have I, was I wrong? And I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to stand in the truth that I knew. And, um, and he's so faithful because when you're going through anxiety, like Ben said, you have these wild thoughts and you know they're wild. It's kind of like, an, like you know in your mind this is crazy and it's not true, but you cannot let go of it. And um, so I would pray and I'd be like, Lord, my brain is filled with noise right now, and it's really loud, and it's really scary, and I don't know what to do, and I'm going to need you to speak over the noise, and I'm going to need something. I need something that I know is from you, that I know is truth, that I can grip onto in this moment and know you're with me, and he, is, he was so faithful. Um, there were so many times somebody gave me a scripture or a song or... Um, a word, and it was the perfect timing. Like, I would finish praying that prayer, God, I'm desperate, and I'm scared, and I don't know what to do, and I can't trust my own thoughts, and and that's so scary, too. Like, you can't trust your own thoughts. You can't trust your own instincts, um, and so you get to this place where you're like, I have this thought. Is it legit? Is it not? And you're constantly, like, warring with yourself, and so my prayer started to be, God, just let me know where you are in this. Show me your, show me your hand. Show me your face. Sh let me hear your voice. Just give me something that I can grasp in this moment because I don't trust anything right now. And he was so faithful to give me, he was so faithful to, to meet me in that place every time. Um, and as far as like presently, do you want me to? We'll get there. Okay. Do you want to touch on the guilt and the shame that sure. kind of came with it a little bit? 
like I said, I was, I think we were in ministry four or five years, and I'm a pastor's wife, and, you know, whether or not you would want to admit it, there's a different, there's a certain expectation of how they behave and how they respond and um, how they participate, and um, up until that point, I felt like I was meeting those benchmarks. I felt like I was filling the role well, and I mean, now looking back, I was filling it. I thought I was filling it, but it was really just me performing in my own strength. And um, when I when this started to happen, I was so embarrassed, and I was so ashamed because I felt like maybe I'm not saved. Maybe all these all these years I've been just going through the motions and it wasn't real for me because how could I struggle with this when I know the truth but I, I can't believe it for myself. And, you know, it, it was just embarrassing and shameful and um, I don't know. I, I kind of just, I couldn't fathom how I would ever get out of that space. And so how am I going to serve others when I can't lift myself off the couch type thing? And so I was kind of like on this like downward spiral. One thing that I want to say really quickly is, you know, it's been said that in the Bible, there's 365 times where God deals with fear or Jesus, whoever in the scriptures talks about fear. Um, So I remember you saying things kind of like what you just touched on, where it's like, not maybe I'm not saved, but this has to be a faith issue. Like, if I believed God more, you know, you guys are probably sitting here thinking of scriptures right now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? He gives us a, a sound mind, just the peace that passes all understanding. Your, your brain is flooded right now with these scriptures, and the same scriptures were flooding Amber's mind, and she's going, but I don't have that, so I must not. Something's wrong. There must be something between me and God if I'm dealing with this. The one thing that I want to say to that is, do you know that the Bible talks around 150 times about healing, just in general, whether it's whatever you're going through, physical ailment, whatever it may be, and yet if you have diabetes or cancer or things like that, you might not struggle as much to go, well, I have this because I don't believe in God enough. Maybe you have, but maybe you don't. I just think it's interesting that with anxiety specifically and fear specifically, we think that if fear creeps in, well, it must, you know, I must not believe in God. I must not be doing enough. Yes, I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, um, I know you've touched on it kind of here and there, but when, when this fear and anxiety, when an attack happens or whatever, or you're really struggling with it on a day, um, to those in this room that maybe have never seen it or never gone through it, what would you describe what a day where you're really struggling with anxiety, what does it look like? Um, I guess just it's a heaviness. It's like this feeling of like impending doom. I know that sounds super dramatic. Um, and it is, it's a dramatic feeling. Um, and it, it affects, like I... I'm not a super introverted person. I'm very much an extrovert. 
but when my anxiety is is a struggle that day, I can I withdraw, and I become I I isolate, which is the worst thing you can do is to isolate yourself. Um, I get really like I don't know I guess into my like into my device like I'm my phone becomes like the only thing that I can really focus on. Um, I'm, I'm like just I guess withdrawn is the biggest indicator, and then you know then you lose your appetite and then you, you know, it's hard for you to, to drink and it's hard for you, you know, those types of things come if you don't, if I don't catch it and I don't grab onto the tools that I have now, that it spirals quickly. Are there any triggers? Is there anything that, that might happen to you that might trigger a, an attack, an anxiety attack or, or something like that? Um, it's random things really. Um, and they're usually stray, weird thoughts, you know. Um, a lot of the times it's like, like you said, it's like health-related or if I feel weird or if I'm worrying about, like, if I have doctor's, doctor's appointments. Like, when I, was, when I did get pregnant with the babies, with Peyton and, and Rhett, those doctor's appointments were huge triggers for me because I'm just always convinced they're going to find something catastrophic. And uh, so those are, those are things that usually will set me off. All right. So we've talked about anxiety. We've talked about what it is, how it's affected her, uh, how it's affected us, the whole family. Um, what helps you deal with anxiety now, now that you've gone through this for around 12 years? and you feel it starting to come on, you feel something starting to happen, how do you deal with it now? Um, like I said, he's been so faithful to me through this whole journey, and um, I feel like he's given me a tool belt that I can use. <clears throat> There's several things that are just, um, how do I put this, like, things that I can physically do. Um, a walk, a fast, brisk, brisk walk, um, where you like can't you can't talk. You're walking so fast you can't really speak because you're just working it out. You got to burn. I I like um, equate it to like I'm burning it off of me. You know, like I got to get it out. And so we go for a walk, and Ben usually will take me on a walk, um, making sure I'm hydrated uh, and eating because when your body is in that <clears throat> fight or flight. Uh, mentality, you know, if you don't eat and drink, your body, it heightens because they're like, ah, we don't have what we need. We don't have what we need. And so you really do need to make sure that you're eating and drinking, um, making sure for some reason when you're anxiety or you're having a panic attack, you feel like the safest thing is to be all by yourself. And you feel like I need to curl up in a cocoon and I need to be alone and I'm going to shut myself in my room and that is the worst thing I can do um, because then you're, you're just alone with your thoughts, which are lying to you. <laughs> you know, you're alone with your thoughts and your feelings, which are all false at that moment. And um, so staying connected with my family, uh, you know, when we were in New York, it was a lot of FaceTime calls with my mom and my sister. Um, and now, you, you know, big transitions always are stressful. And we've, we've had a baby in December. 
we moved in June. We're transitioned. We're not quite into our, our home yet. Um, our kids have started a new school. So there's just been a lot of change. And so it's been such a blessing to be so close to family at this point because it's been when I'm feeling anxious, I can go outside with the kids and my mom's there and, you know, it just it helps me to pull out of the spiral. Um, the other things, the more spiritual things are um, I have a, a list of scripture verses on my phone that are truth that had, were I felt I feel are were a gift to me in moments where I was panicking. Um, so many, so, so many. I don't have my phone or I would read them all to you. Um, I feel like there is, I have like a playlist of worship music on my phone that I'll plug into my ears. Um, and also he's really taught me to recognize what voice I'm hearing, you know, um, because any amount of fear God is not a God of fear. He's a God of peace. And so when I'm listening to fearful things and I'm listening to scary things, I need to recognize whose voice that is and, and claim it for what it is. And it's the enemy and is in, it, in an attack and then declare victory over it because I've been given that authority through Jesus Christ. And um, so those are some of the things that I really, you know, lean on and use when anxiety is Hi. One ironic thing is she had mentioned um, she can become withdrawn and focus on her phone or whatever. And I notice if, if I'm looking over at Amber and she's just scrolling, 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 and, you know, she's not really interacting, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, she's struggling a little bit. Um, but that's one of the worst places for her to be is on her phone, social media, things of that nature, the news. We don't watch the news. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. We don't watch the news at all because there's nothing good on there for me. You know, I, it's not good for me. It's not good for her. I mean, there's been times where she's like, there's an asteroid that's going to hit the earth and blah, 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 blah. What are our great, great, great grandkids going to do? You know, it's like, <laughs> what are we talking about right now? You know, so these things where, where it feeds that, you know, these dumb devices can just, it can feed the beast. It can really feed the beast. And, uh, but at the same time, the, the other side of that coin is she has a ton of scripture on her phone. She has a ton of worship music on her phone, and she'll just tell me, I got to go spend a few minutes in the room. I'm just going to go in there and read and listen to some worship music, and it usually pops you out of it. Um, so, I just have a couple more questions. You've, you originally went through this 12 years ago. What does life look like now? Is anxiety something that you left in the rearview mirror? Is it something that you've conquered? Is it something that you still deal with? What does life look like now for you? Um, <clears throat> if I could just speak hope to anybody who's dealing with this. When you're in the throes of anxiety and fear, it feels like that's your forever, and it is not. Um, there is hope. There is a way out, and it's and it's through the things that we've talked about this morning. It's through prayer. It's through scripture. And it's through connecting with the people in your tribe. It's, it's making sure you have a, a group of people around you that can come up beside you like um, Aaron and her did and lift, lift your arms when you can't lift them yourself. And um, 
So I would say it's something that I deal with, but I deal with better. I'm quicker to recognize. It's, you know, there's, all the, there's always that analogy where um, if you've ever played, you know, I'm a softball fanatic. I love it. Um, and so you're trying to start hitting faster pitches. So you start with your pitching machine at a, at a, a slower pitch, and you build up. And it takes you a while, every level you go up, it takes you a while to get the timing, right? But eventually, that faster speed becomes your normal speed. And you can see the ball coming clearer, and you know when the timing is right. And I feel like I have learned, I'm seeing the pitches come in slower now. So I can see, oh, I, I recognize this. I know this isn't true. Let's squash it now before I let it grow. And, you know, I've gotten better at taking my thoughts captive. And I've gotten better at um, declaring victory over fear. But it's a journey. And it, it's a muscle that has to be built. And there's no shame in building that muscle. Sometimes, sometimes I still get the, the pitch comes in faster than I anticipated. And I'm, I find myself in a rough spot. But I'm, I have the tools now to use to get myself out again. Um, well, not get myself out. I know how to approach the throne. And I know how to say, Lord, I know this isn't true. And I, I got to have you help me out of this. And he's so faithful to do it. Um, but it is something that is, it's, you know, like Paul had the thorn in his side. And Jacob had the, the kink in his hip. And it just is something that that I deal with. And you know what? I find too that sometimes when I when it pops up, it's times where I've been, oh, I got this on my own. And and you know, it's it's humbling and, and it pulls me back to the Lord and it makes me realize I don't have this and I can't do this. I need him. And um so that's you know last two questions. One I want you to speak to people in this room or those who are watching online who are close to someone. Uh, maybe they live with someone or there's a close relative who's dealing with anxiety. What type of advice would you give them? For those dealing with anxiety. <clears throat> well, we're going to get to that one. Oh, the, the family members. Family members. Yep. I think for this is a hard question for me to answer because sometimes it changes. <laughs> um, but the most consistent thing that you can do is just to listen. Because the person dealing with it, when I'm dealing with it, I know my thoughts are incorrect. And I know that I'm struggling with knowing what is true. Um, and, and I know I feel crazy myself, you know. And I'm, I, it's, it's a scary thing. And um, so for just your people and your family to listen, to, to pray for you, to just pour over scripture with you. Um, and when the Lord lays a song on your heart or a verse on your heart, give it. Because you never know what, what, when that's going to be their lifeline. There were so many times people didn't know. I mean... People didn't know at the church that I was at, we were at Trinity at the time. They didn't know I was struggling. I put on my smile. 
I was in a wheelchair at the time, most of the time, because my leg was broken. And I'm sitting in my wheelchair with my blanket over my legs, smiling, clapping, singing, raising my hands. They didn't know. But in the whole time I'm in there, I'm going, God, I am losing it. I'm holding on by a thread, and I need, I need you. And somebody faithfully would walk over and deliver the word that I needed or the verse that I needed or the song during worship that I needed. And so just be prayerful for them. Pray, pray, pray. That would be my advice. And then the last thing. You know, this is going to be online. This is going to live forever. So this might be something that this can be passed on to somebody else years from now. Um, can you do me a favor, though, and speak to those who are watching or in this room right now um, who are struggling and maybe they haven't talked about it or maybe, they, you know, they just feel crazy. They know they sound crazy, so they just internalize it and they feel like there's no hope. Can you speak to that for a second? I think I said it just a little bit ago. It's it when you're in the middle of it, it feels like this is your forever. You know, we've heard this phrase, the new normal, for a really long time, right? And that feels like you're your normal now. This is how I'm gonna be forever. This is what I'm gonna live with forever. And it is completely defeated defeating feeling. Um, it's a completely just hopeless place to be. And it and that is not the truth. That is not the truth. This is not your forever. This is not the way that you will live. This is a season, and you will get through it. Um, I think something that people really struggle with when they're in the middle of something like this is your brain tells you you can't, but you can and you should. And by that, I mean, like, when, when I was really struggling, my brain would literally say, you cannot get up and walk and to the bathroom and take a shower. Yes, I can. My body is functioning just fine. That's a lie. I can get up. I can, I can take a shower. I can brush my teeth. And I know those things sound very silly and small, but they're big things. You need to take care of yourself. You need to, when your brain says, no, I can't go on a walk. Yes, I can. My legs work. I can breathe. My heart is working fine. I can go on a walk, go on a walk. Um, I just feel like um, the other thing you need to do is watch what voices you listen to. You know, there's this phrase, garbage in, garbage out. Make sure what you're listening to is good. Just like a, a healthy diet, you need, you need to guard your heart against things that... Um, aren't of God. Um, I, and like I said before, making sure you're eating and drinking and, and those things. And please don't go off by yourself. That's the worst thing you can do. It, is, it feels like the safe choice, but it is not the safe choice. That's the worst thing you can do is to isolate yourself. Stay with your tribe. Stay with your, the people that are there for you no matter what. Um, let them know so they can walk through this with you because it's so much easier when you're together. I'm going to invite the band up, and I'm going to actually ask everyone in here if you'd stand with us this morning. I want to read a quick scripture to you. It's not going to be up here on the screen. I just want you to 
Close your eyes if you wouldn't just listen to John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you're in this place today, if you're watching online, if you're watching this video 10 years from now, Jesus offers peace. There's peace found in God. At the ends of this staircase over here, the stairs coming up to the stage, what I did is I actually got those scriptures that Amber talked about, and I just printed them out on a piece of paper. And maybe you're someone in this room and you're like, I need some of those tools in my tool belt. I want to encourage you at the end to come up and grab one of those. If you know someone who's struggling, saved or not, take one of those for them. What a better, I mean, is there a better way to witness and say, hey, read this? There are answers and it's found in him. He does offer peace. So what I want to do today is we're going to do what we've been doing and I'm going to invite the pastors up in a few minutes. Our prayer team is going to be up here. And two things. One, if you're in this room and you say, Ben, you keep talking about Jesus and you keep talking about God, but I don't have a relationship with him. Today is your day. All you have to do is take a step towards him. That's all you have to do. Say, God, I'm willing to have a conversation with you. I'm willing to try this. And we're going to have amazing people up here that want to talk you through that process. So let's start there. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I beg you, I plead with you, please be open. There's some of you in this room right now, you're feeling something and you're like, I don't know what that feeling is. That is the Holy Spirit. That is God saying, that's you. That's you. I'm also going to ask those maybe in this room that might be struggling with anxiety. Or you have a family member or a close friend who's struggling with anxiety. And you want to come up front for prayer. I want to encourage that as well. Like Amber said, the worst thing you could do is try to handle it on your own. Turn inward. That's what that doubt does is it causes us to turn inward, not upward. Don't do that. Don't do that. Reach out. Reach out. We want to be up here to, to talk with you, to pray with you. We don't have all the answers, but we can point you to the one who does. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have Amber pray. And when she says amen, the band is going to go up to a song and then the altars are open. But I want to encourage everybody in this room, like I started off with, let, let what was discussed today hit you. Let it be planted in your heart. Amber, would you close us in prayer? that you describe yourself as a father 
thank you, God, that you are God who cares about our feelings, Lord, who cares about our thoughts, Father. Lord, that you just didn't come for this group as a whole, but Lord, you came for us as individuals, Lord. Lord, that you know us all so well. You created us. You know the very hairs on our head, Father. You know our insecurities. You know our anxieties. You know our fears, Lord. And here's the good news. You reign over it all, Father. You reign over it all, Lord. And I just pray, God, for anybody who is listening to this prayer, Lord God, who is struggling with fear, who is who is in the depths, Lord Jesus, that you would reach down, Lord God, that you would shine the light into the darkness, Father, and that you would call them out. Lord, that you would give them the courage, Lord Jesus, to use the authority you have given us. Lord, that we are more than conquerors, Lord Jesus. Lord, that no amount of depression or anxiety, Lord God, is bigger than you, Lord. So we just ask, Jesus, that your word would be delivered to those who are stuck. Lord, that any fear would be lifted. Lord, that hearts would be calmed, that minds would be quieted, Lord. Lord, that you would just be over it all, Lord God. Lord, that you would bring your deliverance, Lord, that you would bring your peace that you've promised us, Lord God. Jesus, that you would send people, Lord God, with just the right word, Lord Jesus, with just the right scripture, Lord, that you would start speaking so clearly. Lord, start throwing out those lifelines. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you came to set us free for freedom's sake, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you've came to set the captive free. Anybody being held by fear, captive by fear, Lord Jesus, just set them free this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you that you love us, Lord God. We thank you that your heart for us is freedom, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the joy of our salvation, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that you reign over everything. And I know I keep saying that, but it's the truth. There is nothing that is outside of your grasp. There is nothing we go through, Lord Jesus, that you are holding us through, Lord. Help us to see that. Open our eyes. Let the scales fall off and the lies be quieted, Lord. We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen.